query this evening. You know, but I wanted us to just really talk about relationships rather than preach about it. But I had a PowerPoint anyway of some things that I may or may not show you tonight. But this is the best concept that I found about relationships so far. Uh, is the fact that relationships are like gardens. They need nurturing. Relationships are like we we I, I grew up in a in two denominations actually three actually. If we call the bridge network a denomination, that makes it four. <laughs> I grew up in four denominations. I was in Scripture pastor for many years, then I moved to Rema, then I moved to the Redeemed Christian Church of God. Before I was Catholic by birth, I was by proxy. I was Catholic by birth, then I moved to Scripture Pasture, where I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then I moved to Rema, and then the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Jesus' Embassy, and then here. And one thing I found out that has scared me the most is that what God considers to be the most important aspect of Christianity is what we have put at the bottom rung. And that's our relationships. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get to heaven, there will be no denominations. When we get to heaven, there will be no uh, Bible college certificates. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get to heaven, there will be no area pastors. Huh? There will be no provincial pastors. There will be no pastor bank. As in Pastor Bang, but there will be Bang without the pastor. Can I really go a little further? Can I go deeper? Are you sure? There will be no misses. Some of you don't like that one. You have bought your wife eternity ring. There will be no misses. Marriage starts and finishes where? So if that man, I saw one pregnant lady walking just this evening. Let him, everything he has promised you, let him do it here. Don't in heaven. All that one is telling you, don't worry, let us suffer here. When we get to enjoy, heaven, we will enjoy. He will not be able to touch you or talk to you. So the car, the house, the enjoyment, now here, but also the assignment is here. The assignment and purpose of marriage is where? Here. Because marriage is only found on earth. Praise the Lord. There are no titles in heaven. There's nothing we're taking from here except what? The relationship we have with each other. And that's what brings us together. The blood of Jesus. We have a common bloodline. We relate to one another. How be it not always positively, but that's all we're here for. So tonight I want to make it see if I can if we can ask some questions. The nice thing about this is that like gardening, nurturing a relationship can be one of the most enjoyable activities in one's life. For instance, how many of you, let, let's be frank here, 
found out and I can't ask some dangerous questions I cannot ask because if I do I'll get into trouble I was going to ask how many of you found out that uh, marriage was a lot not as enjoyable as the courtship <laughs> because I tell you why in the courtship you were proactive towards nurturing it come on talk to me now some of you are not married so you are confused but seriously, the courtship is enjoyable because he's always at your beck and call. If you went to his house in the evening and you gave him Gary and Grandma and said, that's all I have left, he would say, ah, don't worry, I will take it with love. But the minute you marry him and you give him granite and uh, whatever, he would say, what kind of stupid wife are you? What have you been doing since morning? Because there was a nurturing there. Am I making sense? There is something about relationships that require nurturing. And my challenge with us is that how long are we going to see that do you know that when you start to cultivate a garden you plant the seeds of the picture of what you want am i right huh you plant a, you plant seeds you want roses in your garden am i right and so you plant it that's like when you meet the person and you like the person all right so you planted this seed in the soil and suddenly uh, the thing started growing am i right how many of you know that as it was growing grass began to grow with it thorns began to grow with it Sometimes ants will attack that plant. Am I right? Sometimes you will forget to put water and the plant starts to do what? Die. Am I making sense? Don't we realize that in real life it happens? You have a friend and suddenly your relationship between him and both of you begin to die. Instead of you to say he's a bad friend, why don't you ask the question, what is missing? Are you here? Are you here? So I want to encourage us tonight to be a little bit open about what relationships are all about. And the book we're reading, um, um, Jim Ron and Chris Widener says, relationships are a gift from God. Relationships are a gift from God. He calls it the gift of relationships. But they require time and they require effort. I didn't put it in this PowerPoint. I'll do that next week. Alright? Now, one of the challenges we face as Christians is that the image of Christianity, you know, I was coming from home, we have a guest around here, Dile, he's, he's run away because he doesn't want me to give him the pulpit. He's run away, he, he lives in England, he used to work with me at Jesus Embassy many years ago, he's married, he works with Accenture in England, he's here to bury his father this weekend, and I stayed with him the three weeks I was away, on this last trip, and I'm trying to get, I was trying to get him to come and share with you tonight. But one of the most interesting things we found out as we went talking to him is the fact that ever since he has come back is to see that there is something fundamentally wrong with our Christian life in this country. It starts and finishes in the four walls of the church and doesn't affect our behavior outside. And so we need to ask ourselves a question tonight. What does it really mean to be a Christian? Being a Christian is different from being part of a church. Am I making sense? Or a denomination. It means being part of the body of Christ. It means, what does it mean to be a Christian? Is it just being a member of a church? But you and I will know that most people find their identity from their churches, not from Christ. Talk to me now. Are you a Christian? I go to the redeemed. Are you a Christian? No, I'm in Rema. Oh, yes, I'm in Rema. They star. You know, I didn't add the because I think you're wiser than that. Do you get my point? A lot of us find our identity in the denomination we belong to rather than in the body that we belong to. 
Am I making sense? How many of you know that when the battle started in Kaduna and the thing started in, um, in Joss, when they want to kill you, they don't ask you what denomination you go to. Do you notice that they just say, are you a Christian or are you a Muslim? They don't care what denomination you belong to. Then how come you and I, when we want to relate to other Christians, we worry about what denominations they come from? the church, to be in the body of Christ doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a Christian. Sorry, to be in the body of the church doesn't necessarily mean I'm a Christian. To be a Christian is to be like Christ. To be like Christ means to seek, to live the way he wants me to live. I want you to underline it. He didn't say to attend church the way he wants me to attend church. Ladies and gentlemen, our true Christian lives start when we leave church, not in church. I talking to you people like this? You already know this. Am I right? We already know this in this church. But however, what I want to bring up this evening is some of these concepts. He says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17, this is wonderful. I don't need the screen again. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the Lord's will. I want you to see how the word foolishness and not understanding God's will are connected. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will, will is. To avoid being foolish suggests that I am sensitive to the one I have a relationship with. I'm going to show you some, some things that might be a little bit for married people this evening, but just, I'm just going to glance through it or touch through it. To be foolish is to lack understanding. To be deficient in judgment by not taking into account one's emotions, one's thoughts, and their needs. And if you check marriage, these are the three issues that many times are the place where we have problems. Number one, you don't consider other people's feelings. You don't consider other people's thoughts, what they think about a particular thing. And then you don't consider other people's um, needs. But you will find out that this concept of not understanding people's feelings, what they think and what they, and what they need, is something you started before you got married. Talk to me now. In other words, this is how you are. You never consider how other people think. You never consider how other people feel. You don't understand people's needs. And one of the key elements in understanding the right people to have a relationship with are people who take time to understand how you feel, what you think, and what your needs are. Am I making sense? Not people who are designed for themselves. A lot of people are selfish in the relationship, am I right? Every time they come to you, they're coming to ask you for something. How many of you have friends like that? Every time they show up, as a matter of fact, when they show up, sadness enters into your heart. You just know that the devil has arrived. Because he's coming to make a demand on you that you cannot say no for. Am I right? Yet there are some of your friends, the minute they arrive, they lift your spirit. They bring things that, they didn't, that, they, that you didn't even think about that you needed. Am I making sense? And they think about how you think. Am I making sense? This is a major issue. But God is telling us that when we do this, we're being foolish in relationships. All right? No relationship is void of argument and no relationship is void of conflict. But there's a difference between argument and conflict. Most of the time, conflict comes out of what? Arguments. 
You guys are quiet now. What is an argument? It's a disagreement. It can be violent. It can be disconcerting. But problems, arguments are when two of us do not do what? Agree. When the two of us don't agree about something. The problem comes when these arguments or disagreements are not resolved. And when there is no re resolution brought into this argument or disagreement, it creates what? A conflict. And this is what happens to most of our relationships. This is the way somebody wants to go. This is the way I want to go. Rather than sitting down and understand, which is what I said before, understand what? The pe person's feelings, the person's thoughts, the person's what? Needs. I stand my ground. Are you here? Are you here? So basically, what we need to understand is that if we don't resolve this argument or this disagreement, what happens later is that it becomes a conflict. This is a prolonged argument or disagreement and it does not, and does not bring in a quick resolution or a reconciliation. In other words, when you get to conflict, it usually means that you've gone too far. So shut that door, please. Huh? However, how many of you know that the greatest ministry of the church is that of what? Reconciliation. So we should have the best relationship. But do we have it? And that's because this issue of relationship has never been priority in the body of Christ. It has never been priority. One of the interesting things that happened, Pastor Ben, if I say, wait, Pastor Ben, if I say this thing myself, most of you will say maybe I like to pull the trumpet of this guy. Can you come and tell us exactly what Cobham said to you when he got into the hall after you finished the service about the church? This is a blind man. Forget, don't forget, don't forget that. That means he didn't see any of your faces. He said he could sense a spirit, a spirit that um, is open to information, that is ready to digest any kind of information, no matter how tough and tight the information is. And if you remember, he kept saying that he loves this congregation. Yeah, so that's what was at the back of his mind when he said that. When you don't have relationship as a priority, it permeates your entire house. It permeates your entire value system. I don't know if you get the point I'm making. How, listen, some of us, don't, please don't put up your hand. Some of us have sacrificed relationships for money. You had a disagreement with somebody over money and you cut off the person. Don't put up your hand because all our hands will go up here. Some of us have had relationships broken because of other relationships. That boy that left you and married somebody else that was supposed to be you, but you didn't agree. And it was your friend that took the boyfriend from you. But today, that friend and you, if you see each other, if one of you is in London and the other one is in America, you will still not talk to each other. Come on, talk to me now. What I'm trying to say is that something that you believe in will affect your children. If you believe that relationships are, are important, your children will pick up the same spirit. They don't have to be told.
they will see the way you relate to people. They will see how important people are to your life. They will see how much you cherish, cultivate, and nurture relationships. How you can take time to make friends. How you can take sit down and ask your friend who is going through trouble and spend time with them. Am I making sense? How you think people are important. Most of us grew up in denominations like this. Where people are called to the carpet anyhow. Pastor Sammy were telling me the other day, there's this young lady who got um, pregnant in their church. And of course, because the girl got pregnant, they had to, they had to rebuke her. They had to, you know, discipline her and tell her she, was, she didn't behave properly. But guess what? Immediately, they, dealt, they spoke to her and told her the baby became the church baby. They threw a, they threw a, a baby shower for the, for the girl, bought her gifts for the baby before the baby came. When the baby was born, everybody was there. They gave the baby gifts. Today, they sustain that girl, make sure she's walking and she's looking after her child. Let me tell you, and I won't tell you which of the denominations I belong to, that will tell me what to do. The other traditions that will belong to, they will tell me, number one, I cannot name that child. They will tell me I cannot attend the naming ceremony. They tell me I must throw the girl out. To where? Talk to me. They won't even let me go for the naming ceremony. And I will tell them, what did that child do? Let's forget about the girl. What did that innocent baby do to you that you are saying we can't embrace the child? We're committing a sin that the Bible says you do not punish a child for the sins of the parents. Because we don't cherish relationships. People would get pregnant, they will say, don't go for their wedding. Where do, who else will accept them? So we abandon them and they go back into the world. There's this man, he used to belong to a denomination. He got into a divorce. Big divorce. It was a scandal. Newspaper. Guess what happened? His church said, because you are divorced, we have nothing to do with you. Then this Lateran people, what's their name? Forget their name. Lateran. You know them? This is uh, the church of the Latter-day Saints. You know what they do? They check the newspapers every day looking for obituaries. Divorce and situations. They will now find somebody living in your area who will come to your house. So these people came to his house. The first thing they did was give him free food. Because he had lost everything. He was living in a shack. So they would go there, give him food. Take care of him. You know what I mean? Help him out. Visit him. Take him out for dinner. Encourage him. They won't talk about their church for months. They've just been encouraging them. They will network together, give him a job. Within a year, he was fully restored to his original position in life. But guess which church he joined? You cannot convince him that Jesus is not in that denomination. Because those who said that the latter day were false prophets did not cultivate a in quote. How do we deal with human beings? Jesus died for who? Human beings. Jesus my problem is that he didn't die for any denomination. Sorry, okay, I'm happy now. He didn't die for denominations. He didn't die for buildings. He didn't die for nations. He died for what? Individuals. Who should be the most important person in our church? 
Lord. Let me just touch on this. One of the greatest challenges we're going to face in our relationship work is that of relationship between male and female. And many times, we act funny, foolishly. We do not understand. We're not sensitive to the other, the emotions of the other person and the other person's thought. What we do not understand is that somebody thinks... So what we do not understand... So we do not understand how somebody thinks or what their needs are because we do not really grasp that or comprehend how they are wired. Ladies and gentlemen, each one of us here is wired up differently. Let me give you... I think I've said it in church, but let me give you an example. This man loves his wife, is never at home, always busy, works very hard, found out that his wife, he was drifting away from his wife, decided that he wanted to surprise his wife, worked extremely hard, and bought her a 2008 Honda Accord. In 2008. Brought it home and gave it to his wife. And the wife took the key and said, Oh, honey, thank you very much. God bless you. Went to the kitchen, brought food, gave it to him. Never spoke about the accord anymore. He was mad as a hatter. Got back to his office and began to complain to his colleague. What kind of woman is this? I spent money buying her a Honda. She said, thank you. Cost him millions of naira. Uh, sorry, actually not in this country, was abroad. Cost him thousands of pounds. The guy said, can you go home tonight? Buy chocolate and flowers for a fraction of the cost. He bought chocolates and flowers and came home three hours earlier. He normally comes home. And immediately his wife who was normally expecting him three hours later saw him. She was like, what are you doing at home? Oh, I brought you chocolate. I brought you flowers. And then she dropped everything that she was doing, took him offside and made good love to him and she was blessed. And he said, wait a minute, I spent 10,000 pounds buying this for you. You didn't react. Now I spent 100 pounds buying you flowers and chocolates and you're happy. Why? She's wired differently. To a man, a car is a blessing. To a woman, it's a tool. What he thought was a deposit for his wife was not. Because he was buying what pleases him, not what pleases her. You and I must understand that people don't think the way we think. You must learn to identify what is a plus to somebody, not what is a plus to you. And that's why you hear a man, the wife says to him, do you love me? says, why do you think I'm doing all this work? Mm -mm. I said, do you love me? Why am I suffering like this? It's not because of you. Uh -uh. I said, do you love me? He has failed to answer the question, but he's talking about what he's doing. She doesn't care. Yet the woman, when you get home, you bring your husband a box of chocolate for Christmas. That's good. Bring him handkerchief and bring him a tie. He will look at you and laugh but you bring him an iPod, or you bring him a, uh, uh, a sound system, or you bring him something technical. Yeah, that's the best wife in the world because now that is a plus to you. We are wired different. But what we do most of the time is deal with people from our own points of view. Am I making sense?
We do this. This is how we are. And it's foolishness. Because what is a deposit to one person is not a deposit to another. My wife and I had an argument before I traveled. I said she spends too much time in the kitchen and she said to me I spend too much time in the bedroom. I like watching television. She doesn't care for television. When we get home, she'll put it on food channel. How can I be watching food on a screen? I can't smell it. I can't touch it. I can't taste it. That's like suffering. But she and my son can watch food channel. When I leave the house, they switch to food channel. And when I come back, they know this boring guy is back. He's moving back to action movies. But guess what? We had to reach a compromise. I said, the house we're building, there will be a TV in the kitchen hooked up to the satellite system. The dining room will be in the kitchen so that when I come back and I want to watch my TV and you want to cook, we can do it together. It's compromise. I have to give her a plus, but I must also give myself a plus and so I won't get frustrated by trying to satisfy her. Am I making sense? So you got to understand that we think totally differently. Men and women are wired totally differently. Not just from anatomical, physiological point of view, but mentally and emotionally. Men and women are wired differently. The emotions and feelings of a man are somewhat different from the emotions and feelings of a woman. How a man thinks and how a woman thinks, God knows, are walls apart. It does not necessarily mean that one is right or the other is wrong. It only means that the way they see things is different because of the way they are wired. Am I making sense? Are you here? God created what? Man in his own image and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And so God gave names to all, so man gave names to all the livestock, the beds of the earth and all the beasts of the field. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 verse 20. It's for the tape. But for Adam, no suitable helper was formed. So God called the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took out one of man's ribs and he closed the part of the flesh thereof. The reason why we bring up, and from that he made the woman. Then the Lord made the woman. The point he's trying to make here is that man was made out of the dust. Are you listening? Huh? But woman was made out of the man. Do you understand? Man was made out of the dust. But he makes the woman from the man. She is not created, but he makes the woman from stuff that already exists. Am I making sense? And I feel it's the different part of you that he took out. So don't fight it. And most of us, and I'm guilty of this as well, we are waiting for our wives to change. Let me guarantee you, the minute she changes, she's pretending. She's waiting for you to give up. Because the minute she changes, she's pretending for peace's sake at home. But let me tell you about pretense. One day, it is like a pot, a pressure cooker. It's like a pressure cooker on the stove. You just keep pushing her and she will keep conforming. You just keep pushing her and she will keep conforming. Most of you will know that pressure cookers have this little thing on top. It's a weight. It's a weight. You know? After a while, <laughs> after a while, when you remove that weight from the top, what happens to the pressure cooker? 
they will explode. And when we pretend, we confine ourselves, we don't express ourselves, and we are setting up ourselves for the day of Christ. That's why some people, after many years, this man, this man would like write his wife a love letter every week. Every week for 40 years. Man, I'd like to do that too. I would have to be that would have to be automated. I would have to be done on the internet. Send me a poem a week and just change the name. But this man will write a love letter to his wife every week for 40 years. And on the 40th year, he applied for a divorce. So the woman went to the judge and said, Excuse me. Ah. This man writes me a love letter every week for 40 years. She brought the love letters to the to the uh, court and began to read them to the judge. So the judge said, Okay, 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 let's hear your husband's uh, point of view. The man got up, brought out a fire, and said, 36 years ago, you got up in the morning and you burnt my breakfast. Yeah, 35 years and six months ago, you did this and this and that. And he went on and on. For 40 years, he had been cataloging what his wife did that he didn't like. By the time he got to the 28th year, the woman said, carry your wahala and go. That is how he would have woken up in the morning and stabbed me. Because for 30 years he had been accumulating bitterness. If you don't tell people how you feel right now, let me guarantee you, it will come out of you as bitterness one day. The Bible is not what it's saying when it says, if somebody should offend you, Call that person. You see, the Bible doesn't guarantee you that when you call the person, the person will correct what they are doing. He didn't say that. He didn't say they will say they are sorry. He didn't say ah, when you call them and you tell them that they've done something wrong, they will say, please forgive me. He didn't say that. He says when somebody offends you, call them. If they don't accept, bring a witness and tell them. That's all the Bible tells you to do because God knows that if you don't express what is hurting you, ladies and gentlemen, it will come out at bitterness eventually. You will now do something that doesn't... I have a security guard here. This is not even that they told me. John forgot my key at the mouth of my door. Just before I traveled. Just forgot it there. One of the security men who was on duty that night saw the key and told another security man to go and collect it. And now on what, for whatever reason, took his time in uh, collecting it. So he went back, took the key and hid it. My key the key of the kingdom. He took the key and he kept it. Next day, I showed up and we were looking for the key. We couldn't find it. I called him and I said, Do you, did you see my key? He said, no. What to do? What to do? Excuse me. I said, see my key. So we started to call this, the, the, um, the um, security man that was on duty. That one said, oh, we saw the key. It was left behind. That the other tall man has the key. He still denied it. We had to pay extra money and tell the guy to come from his house and come. By the time he came, within themselves, within 30 minutes, they brought out the key. Here, not, not this, not in Lagos or something. This is here. They brought, he had kept the key and he didn't. So when they finally interviewed him and said, Why? He 
He said that man is very stubborn. He wanted to teach him a lesson. In teaching him a lesson, he punished John, punished me, punished you streams, just to get to one man. Ladies and gentlemen, that is how much hate and bitterness can work. I'm serious. Some of you underestimate this thing. Some people at the end of the day, they will tell, remember when we were in the redeem, the Jew said he was asked to do, um, he wanted to do a concert, a youth concert. And you evangelist, no, he doesn't do concert, he does evangelism, sorry. <laughs> you know, he wanted to do evangelism. And so he said he wanted to, he, he called his area pastor, at, um, he wanted to do evangelism. And I said, no, no youth evangelism. And he was the personal assistant and the interpreter of the current Jew over that time. So he went to the Jew and said, I want to do, I want to do, I want to do evangelism, you don't have to ask permission to do. So they did evangelism and successful program they won souls and everything and so he went back meanwhile the area pastor now wrote a letter against him and said he disobeyed and should be removed from office ah. so he went to the jail with the letter and said oh boy i did something that is righteous they want to remove me from office that other jail old man experienced man knows life <laughs> said to him he said called him one day said okay come let me tell you something let me just tell you something you are right is wrong, but let me beg you go and see him and double for him. He said, For what? Go and beg him. He said, ah, but I didn't do anything. He said, No, 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 no. I'm telling you, go and beg him. So he said, He humbled himself and went to beg the man. He said, When he finished begging, the man said, Ha! Ah! He said, It's God that sent you. He said, I had made up my mind that you were going to leave this place or die. I had made up my mind that even if it meant destroying my own ministry, I was going to destroy you. That's what bitterness can do. Some people can wait. Remember what happened to Absalom? You know how long he waited? Just waited. He said, I'm going to get you. You and I, and most people will tell you this. Most people will tell you, I don't know. Now the statistics is a little bit, is a little bit difficult to confirm. But a lot of people will tell you that a lot of people who suffer from cancer many years ago had bad experiences in their lives. Today it's a little bit different because of the kind of stupid food we're eating. But there was a time when a lot of people who, who had cancer were people who were angry over something and couldn't find an expression for it. In most of our relationship with the opposite sex, there's argument that generates into conflict, primarily because we do not understand. We're foolish, we're deficit in our judgment, in our understanding, in our sensitivity to others, and so on and so forth. where me and many times the Christian community go in separate ways. When I was in scripture pastoral, my wife, this wife that I married, not any other one, this one, I, 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 I liked her and I said I wanted to marry her and they told me not to talk to her for six months. We should go and pray. So I was supposed to report to my, to my accounting office, I don't know what they call him now. There was an accounting officer that was over me, overseer. I had my own local overseer. She too had her own overseer. They said, okay, now you like each other, you love each other, you think you love each other, now separate for six months. Now you go and pray for six months, your, your general overseer will pray for six months, the other one, the two of them will come together and they will see whether God, meanwhile they married unbelievers, so that's okay, but that's not their problem. They were all married to unbelievers before they came to church. 
Uh, anyway, but that's their problem. They told us that we couldn't do courtship. Ladies and gentlemen, the purpose of courtship is to help you to understand the person you want to marry. Or you should not marry. We do not want to spend time getting to know people because we claim we care so much. If you don't know what their needs are, what their thoughts are, what their emotions are. Listen to me, some of you married somebody who was able to pretend for you for three months. Then the true demon came out after you got married. In this house, in this house, nobody reads Bible this house after 10 o'clock. That's the man you married. I was taking you to church. In this house, when you see my mother, you must kneel down and give her food as you are living here. Somebody you married comes and tells you that when I, since I married you, my life has gone down the hill. You must be a witch. You are not a witch. Why? Because there was no courtship. There was no opportunity. Some people see their, the badness of their husbands or their wives and they say, he will change. We'll be here for you. That's our job. I'm going to put on screen five needs of men and five needs of women that have been statistically accumulated or collected. And I want to hopefully show you how different men are from women. Huh? Are you here? But I'm going to start with the women, not the men. Is that okay with you? So I'm going to skip two slides, okay? These are five most important needs of a woman. Can you say it? Sorry. Babe. Number one, affection. Repeated expressions of love and courtesy. I don't see men writing anything down. You see, this is the problem with men. You think you're going to memorize it and get it. You see, this is the problem with men. That, that's your problem. And you get home tonight and turn the thing upside down. And they say, what did they say? What, what did they say you like doing? What, what did they say you like doing first? Okay, I, I'm coming. I didn't remember. What did pastor say in church? You're not writing anything down. Women get your women, you're going to need a jotter for your own. Affection, repeated expressions of love and courtesy. Number two, hey. Gentlemen, women like conversation. When you get home, your husband gets home, the wife says, how was work? He will say, fine. When you ask your wife, how was work? You see, Auntie Sidifat came at 6 o'clock and she closed at 7 o'clock. She did this, she did that. She wants conversation. Don't be angry or frustrated. Tell her something like, can you bring me a bottle of Chapman so I can hear you? <laughs> or can we have ice cream while I listen so you don't suffer in vain? <laughs> but listen, you must. Or tell her, we only have 15 minutes before the match. <laughs> can you compress it? No. You have to listen. Come on, guys. 
We must learn, and, and whether you have a wife or it's a girlfriend or it's a girl that is a friend. Listen. Start training yourself now. She wants informative and constructive dialogue. That's what matters to her. Number three, she wants you to be honest and open. You know, children and women are difficult to win their trust back when you lie to them. They don't like it. There's something about it that disappoints them. Listen, she's more disappointed when you lie than when you fail. Financial support. Notice he didn't say financial. Baba, you don't have to be the king. Just bring the part you are supposed to play. But don't say because you have your own money. You're on your own. After all, you earn more than me. No. Even if she earns more than you, take the little you have and give it to her. That's your job. Most of us don't know that at marriages, they tell you to always put your wife where? Ah, look at them. They married. They don't even know. Where do you normally put your wife at the wedding ceremony? Why? Huh? <laughs> he says because his heart is on the other side. <laughs> the reason why they ask you to put your, if you are left-handed, sorry, if you are right-handed, they tell you to put your wife on your left so that you can protect her. Don't just do ceremonies. Wear white gown. Don't even know what it means. We're ceremonious people. We don't understand the, the significance of the things we do. I don't, I'm not asking you to be this deep. So if she earns more than you, wonderful. But still bring your own part. Don't say, you are making more money than me. Bring your own part. You'll be surprised she will return it multiplied. So after all, she has more money than me now. What's the problem? And the most important thing to a woman is her family. Not her extended family. Not her in-laws or her outlaws. It's her own family. Not yours. My, my brother's wife is coming. My brother is coming. So we're stopping everything we're doing in the house. She doesn't want to hear that. She wants to know you have given priority to her family. She will make the sacrifices necessary to make your brother comfortable. Am I making sense? You don't tell her to get out of her bed for him. She will tell you she will get out. Am I making sense? Some of these traditional things we brought from our villages, we brought them into our Christianity and we're confused. Can we go to the men's list? Hmm. Hey, Pastor Sammy, I'm afraid to go to the men's list. Because that one is deliverance. The men will need deliverance. Number one on the men's list is what? Come on, guys. Ladies, do whatever you like. Dress nicely, bring something home, cook rice, do whatever. You leave the sex out. You leave his sexual needs out. 
This is found in Genesis chapter 1. It's very interesting that you'll be surprised where it's found. Look at where it's found. So man gave names to all the livestock, the beds of the air and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper. Same word. The place is quiet. The man won't say amen. When you are telling the truth, they won't say amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you can chat a woman on the telephone for three hours with your nice, sexy voice. She doesn't care how you look. If you are clean, <laughs> if you are decent, if you are alright, she will marry you. She just, women, have you noticed that beautiful women marry ugly men? You don't have to wonder. You don't wonder there. It's not one... <laughs> It's, there's no wonder. There's no wonder to it. A woman does not put that much premium on your looks. You are the one who puts premium on looks. But let me tell you the bad part of this. What happens to us in marriage and relationships is that when they marry you, they stop caring about how they look to you. The woman that used to wear nice, sporty, Nighty with uh, you know those nice co coordinated outfits, coordinated underwear and everything. When you first got married, now it's meeting you at home with rapper. Just tie rapper up here. I can't Onja you, Onja you want kishi Onja you want kishi. Go and eat your food. And then just, just chew stick in her mouth and walk around What you have thus done is alert him to the beautiful secretary he has in the office. Who went to the hairdresser on Friday and on Saturday to prepare for Monday? Meanwhile, you haven't been. Just take that wig from your wardrobe. Look nice. I said, come home and remove the wig. Sleep with the wig. You better sleep with it. Because he responds to what you look like. Women are not right, you know. Women are not right, you know. Number three. That's why I said the kind of gift you buy. When, they, when you buy television set for your wife, gentlemen, you are buying it for yourself. Let's, let's be realistic. Come on now. When you buy that equipment at home, it is not for your wife. You are lying. You bought it for yourself. Come on. Let's be realistic here. You bought it for yourself. If you truly want to please a man, give him his toys. But if you want to give a woman something, give her what she truly likes. Don't give her a domestic thing. Huh? Don't give. So he likes his recreational companionship. He's athletic by nature. Support his recreational needs. Support the things he likes to do. Find a way. Some of you hate football. Come on, women. You hate football, right? But he loves football. Am I right? So get him his, get him drinks. Get the place ready for the football and then go shopping for those two hours. Or something. Don't force him. Are you getting my point? 
accommodate his needs. Don't say, my husband likes too much football. Support the football so that he'll be owing you. You go and watch ballet together. Or drama somewhere. Go and listen to somebody dance on one toe. Or something ridiculous that women like. Alright? Domestic support. Ladies and gentlemen, this is something I think a lot of us need to learn. In our houses, there should be roles we play in the home. And please, all this, I'm the head of this house. It's a lie. It's a lie. A lot of us get away with a lot of things because we live in this country. In countries like in England and America, you don't do your own part. The refuse will pile up like this in your house until diseases start coming. So don't act so super spiritual here and say it's her duty. There's nothing like that. Even if she has a house help, there are roles you should play. You should support her. Let her know she has a support system at home. And this last one, this one, I've shared it in church many times. Ladies, men have the biggest egos in the universe. Learn to stroke it. I told you my wife got her transfer letter to, to, to Lauren. I know she had already accepted it. I know she's already made up her mind that this is in the best interest of the family and I transfer and not resign. But she still came home and said, honey, what should we do? And that makes you feel like a king. Even though you, are, you know you are not. <laughs> Even though you know you are not. What did she just do? She struck my ego. She didn't come home and say, I'm moving to a lorry. But you women will say, after all, I, I'm the bread. It's my money. I can take my... No, 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 no. You make your decisions, but learn to make him feel he made it for you or with you. Am I making sense? We, we've got to break out. Look, let me, let me tell you something. When I first became a pastor, I used to say I would never play politics. Until one guy one day actually took us to the root word of church and it had come soon political. He see, proved to us that church was a political organization. I think it was Miles or somebody like that. One very profound Bible teacher. He proved to us that, hey, he said, this is the biggest generator we have and the light is going up. Anyway, what's wrong now? He proved to us church was a political uh, organization. And I was shocked. But it changed the way I approached my leadership. When I was coordinator of the family. There were some key pastors, and I'm not going to call their names, so you don't, you don't, um, they're not, they're good friends. I mean, at least they, I think they're good friends. But I found out that they were the most rebellious people in the family. That once I wanted to go in this direction, even though it was the right direction, they would naturally do the opposite. Pastor Sam is like that too. Anytime I want to go in the direction, he will come up with the opposite place to make sure that I'm convinced about what I'm doing. He will just do the exact opposite. No, 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 no. Why should we do it this way? Why should we meet on Wednesday? Why can't we meet on Friday evenings? I know he's challenging, but these ones were not challenging me. They wanted to make sure that I was frustrated. So I learned this trick many times that before the meeting on Saturday, I will go and see them at home or call them on the phone and say, guys, I'm thinking of going in this direction now. I really need your input. Can you really present it at the meeting? 
So before we get to the meeting, I had already, like Obama, had already planted all my people there. So when the people started opposing me, they would be the ones fighting on my behalf. And I got my policies. It's politics. Somebody say, ah, that's why What about Samuel and, 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 uh, and his anointing of uh, David? He got up and said, God said I should go and anoint David. God woke him up, said, go and anoint David. Ha! The man got up and said, oh boy, you want me to cut my head? Some of us will say, after all, it's God that said, let him cut off the head of Saul. If he wants to cut off, he will cut your head off. You see, that's the problem we don't understand. Someone said, you want me to go and anoint this man? If I anoint him king in place of the present king, they will call it coup d'etat. Come on now, am I right? They will kill me. They will kill me. I'm forming a new government while the old government is still there. And what did God say? Don't worry, I'm the anointed, I'm the great I am. You go. Anybody that touches you, I will kill them. God laughed and said, don't tell them you came to anoint them. Go and offer your usual sacrifices. In the midst of the sacrifice, anoint the boy quietly and move on. So God gave him wisdom to solve a problem. Am I making sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? And that should be the essence of what we bring into our relationships. And we don't have to sacrifice them. We don't have to give them up. We don't have to, we don't have to say, I'm not talking to you anymore. You don't have to say, I don't want to have anything to do. Well, my wife is unreasonable. We don't have to be dogmatic about anything. You can find a way of getting what you want without compromising on what you want and without killing other people in the process. For too long, we've actually thought that it is either or. I've come to tell you this evening that there is a middle of the road and that wisdom comes from the Most High. His ability to help you to meander through delicate situations that other people will fall in. What about Solomon? Two women, two kids, one dead kid, two women. What would you do? Forget about the wisdom of Solomon. What would you do? Let me tell you, the best any of us would have done would have been taking the child from the, both, from the two of them. Come on, talk to me now. The best any of us would have done would have been, yeah, give me the child. I will, I will raise him up as my own. But there was a third way. There was a third way. When we have done or said it all and done it all, there's only one thing that's going to be left, our relationship with one another. I have an architect that's working on my property. When I came back from this trip, there were some issues construction delay this and that it started affecting the financing of the place and some other things so about a week later I called him and I said sir there is nothing in this world including this property that will make the, me destroy my relationship with you because I want to build a house you know what I mean I'd rather just ask us to leave as friends now you know what I mean and I'll find a new person but I'm not going to fight you and destroy a relationship that we've cultivated for over 10 years because of a contract that won't last more than two months. It's not worth it. 
when I was building this place, there was a man. He said to me, I'll give you 50% of what you need to build this place. Go look for 50%. I found the 50%. I don't know how I did, but I found the 50%. And I walked up to him for his own 50%. And he told me, sorry. First, I couldn't even see him. Finally, when I saw him, I just knew. That sorry, it wasn't interesting. This is me. I raised my own 50%, waiting for the other half. I had to start the process all over again. Wrote to my bank, began to, you know, look for the other 50%. Finally, my bank, Haggai, gave me the other 50%. We paid for this property. He was the number one person I invited at the inauguration of this place. You say, why? Because I knew that it wasn't worth destroying our relationship. But guess what? When I got into crisis, and when I had to leave Jesus' embassy, this was the man that stood by me and put the largest amount of money into Jesus' embassy for them to give me as a getaway gift. And every time I've had a need, he has brought a big check to this ministry. And I keep saying to myself, I would have fought him and destroyed that relationship and missed out on this time because I was thinking short term. But God knows those he has put in your life that are designed to get you to destiny then you use your own hand to push them away because you don't understand the mechanics of relationships. Then later you get up and say, well, which well? Some people are in your life for your destiny. You better accept it, including the divorced wife. I'm telling you, including that wife that you think has nothing to do with you anymore. You must learn to maintain your relationships. You must learn never to sacrifice relationships on any burner at all by developing the understanding, the skill, and the knowledge you need to cultivate them. Ladies and gentlemen, relationships are like gardens. They require time. They require effort. They require investment. But ladies and gentlemen, the reward of having a flourishing garden cannot be described. I, I wish some of you had seen this place when we planted some of these plants. The first guy that I planted took, took, took 250,000. Within three months, they died. Another 100,000, Mrs. Smith came and did that one by herself. They died. And the lady from Jesus Chancery, I've forgotten her name, she's married now. She brought her own gardener, paid for everything. That's, what, that's the only garden that is remaining here. But I remember when we planted it there, I thought this is the greatest waste of money in my life. 350,000, you couldn't see it. A single plant come up. Today, it's there. But somebody watered it. Somebody made an effort. Somebody fixed it when it was dying. Somebody put an effort into it. Somebody didn't give up on the garden. You don't give up on your relationships. Some of us have to make special effort to go and build our bridges again. Because I'm telling you, your destiny is tied to some people's lives. Don't sacrifice it. Let's bow our heads. We are grateful Oh Lord We are grateful 
I'm leaving this organization. You're all stupid here. You don't care. You're this, this, this. Tomorrow, what happens? They are broke. The other day, Stephen's brother, something went into his eye. They had to do surgery for him in UCH. Everybody rallied together from this organization to be there for him. What if he had walked out? Not, yeah, stupid organization. This, 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 this. What would have happened to him? How many of you walked away from? Relationships, my brother, they're not worth it. They're not worth fighting and killing over. It says that we may have fellowship one with another. That's God's purpose. Let's ask, release people tonight. None of us need to forgive our parents. They, they don't deserve you to come back, but you go back anyway. Grateful. Oh, Lord, yes, I'm we grateful, are grateful. Lord. 
Deus. Deus.